Beginning of Arrogance by Brian Cole Chapter 1 Krell's sword struck the fell. His heavy breathing couldn't disguise the dull thunk from the blade as it hit, bits of wood breaking off. Krell twisted his wrist and pulled, disengaging the blade. He struck again, the blade sliding along the wood, leaving a fresh scar. Once again, he failed to cut through the post. Krell recovered his stance, his shield raised, as Olgar taught him while his sword moved back into proper striking position. His next strike was high and carved another sliver of wood. Without waiting, Krell swung again. The sword hit lower than Krell wanted. He pulled back into the proper stance, and his next strike was on target, carving deep into the wood. All right, lad, I think we've seen enough, a voice said from somewhere ahead of him. Krell took a step back from the pill. An unsteady step, he was forced to admit. The sun was still high in the sky. Sweat ran into his blue eyes, causing him to blink in irritation. He glared at the wooden post, no more than halfway through. His chainmail armor was heavy on his shoulders. He looked over at the town council, seated at a long table under an awning. They had comfortable chairs for the most part, and were sipping on what looked like cool drinks in the shade. Krell wondered how much attention they were actually paying to this test. Amra Thort was the leader of the town council and owner of one of the largest fishing fleets in Watford. She was a formidable-looking woman with steel-gray hair whose hands bore the signs of hard work done many years ago. People in the town respected her, Olgar had told him. Seated next to her was Dalen Plintform, a wealthy merchant who owned many trading and fishing vessels. His long face was handsome, but he always looked irritated, even when he wasn't. Olgar detested him, but refused to explain why. He was popular in town, since he paid for numerous festivals and banquets when the catch was good. Dalen and Amra were looking at one another and talking quietly, while the third member of the town council stared at him with rapt attention. Aldric Kent was young perhaps only a few years older than Krell himself, and had inherited his father's fishing fleet and trading business. Behind him stood Nathaniel, his manservant, a hulking, battle-scarred man with bulging arms. Both Aldric and Nathaniel had paid close attention to Krell and his sword work. The final person at the table was Captain Gijwolf. He was seated on a simple wooden stool at one end of the table, as if ready to leap into battle. He was eyeing Krell critically, taking in the slender youth sweltering in the sun in front of him. His dark skin contrasted sharply against the polished breastplate he wore. How do you feel right now? He asked. Krell shrugged. Honesty was the best way, Olgar had told him many times. Hot. A little tired. Thirsty and hungry. Someone angry at the hell for still being there. 
Captain Gishwolf smiled and stood up. He strode forward, drawing his blade as he went. Tired? Let's see how tired you really are then. Defend yourself! <clears throat> Without waiting, he charged. The first cut came fast and precise. Krell knew he was not in a proper stance, so simply stepped backward to avoid the first stroke. His shield came up a beat before Captain Gishwolf's sword slammed into it, battering it aside. The next strike shoved it completely out of position, but Krell had his sword in hand and used it to deflect the fourth strike. He tried to catch the fifth, but it slid past his guard, wrapping him smartly on the shoulder. Krell counterattacked, his blade cutting low. Captain Gishwolf parried his blade, forcing it upward, and Krell surged forward, hoping to knock the captain backward with his shield to throw him off balance and break his defense. He didn't even see the next strike, which took him in the leg, leaving a nasty gash. Krell hissed in pain, counterattacking again, aiming for the captain's neck. Captain Gishwolf threaded his arm inside Krell's reach, and the next thing he knew, his arm was locked somehow, his sword wildly out of position. His vision exploded into stars as the captain hammered the pommel of his sword into his face. Without thinking, Krell shoved forward again with the shield in a last desperate move. It was like battering a stone wall. The captain simply absorbed the blow from the shield without moving. He then hooked his sword hilt over the shield and pulled, twisting as he did so. Krell was caught completely off guard. He tried to step forward to maintain his balance, but the captain extended a leg and he hit the ground face first. Stunned for a moment, he felt the captain's blade at his throat. Good enough, Krell. Get up. Let's see to that leg wound. The sword withdrew and Krell rolled over, breathing heavily. Captain Gishwolf kneeled down beside him and tore his leggings open to see the wound, then smiled. Well, Olgar wasn't mistaken, and you're no liar. It does look like Reknor, or some other god, favors you with their grace. As the captain watched, the wound ceased bleeding then began to slowly mend itself. Then it stopped healing, and a trickle of blood resumed. A little favor at any rate. Can you walk? Krell nodded, then clambered to his feet. His leggings were a total loss, torn open and bloody. His legs supported his weight, even though he was growing a little lightheaded from the heat and blood loss. Captain Gishwolf nodded at him. Come over here and sit. I want to know what you understand about this. What did Olgar tell you? Captain Gishwolf led Krell over to the table and shoved him at the stool, then pushed a cup of water to him. Krell took his helmet off and ran a hand through his damp brown hair and grasped the cup. He drank deeply, emptying it. Without waiting, Captain Gishwolf refilled it, and Krell drank again. Uh, thank you, Captain. Olgar said that the dwarves nearby have a problem and need some help to look into it. They've sent for their own soldiers. But until they arrive, they need warriors to deal with something. Krell gestured at the rest of the town council, who were watching him closely now. You're putting together a charter for warriors to go to the dwarf mine and figure out what is going on and deal with it. Captain Gishwolf nodded. He has the skill, Captain? asked Amra. He seems capable enough with the blade, even if a bit of a novice with it. 
Captain Gijwolf nodded again. He has the skill required. I'm a strong hand with the blade, and this lad was able to keep me off him far more ably than he should have, considering only Olgar has given him any training. More than that, he's fearless enough to go into some dark hole. Did his best to put me down out there, which is how I ended up dealing that wound to him. Sorry about that, Krell, but you were rushing me with your sword work. The town counselors looked at one another, then shrugged. Dalen said, Why not then? Has he met the others who have arrived? Krell looked blankly back at them, then shook his head in the negative. Others? I thought I'd be going alone. Captain Gijwolf snorted in laughter. You are young, aren't you? The things you find out there beyond settled lands, you're never going to want to face them alone. Always bring comrades with you, lest some beast paralyze your will and leave you helpless while it starts to eat you. That would be a disappointing way for you to die. Krell winced, flinching as the thunder of Reknor's voice crashed into his thoughts. His sudden movement jostled the table, Upsetting some of the drinks, Dalen gave him a disgusted look as his drink toppled over. Aldrich grinned at Krell. Well, I like him. He seems like he knows what he's doing, and if Olgar said he was able, and he meets your approval, Captain, then add him to the charter. Aldrich let out a long, wistful sigh. Nathaniel began clearing the cups from the table, dumping them out, and placing them into a basket at his feet. Captain Gishwolf smiled at Aldrich. He's more than capable enough. Half the guards in town would lose in a duel against him. Well, they're your bones, Krell. If you think you can cut it, an extra sword to venture out with the others cannot do anything but help. Captain Gishwolf clapped him on the shoulder. If you live, that is. Go clean yourself up, and I'll introduce you to the others. Krell looked at his leggings, shrugged, and tossed them onto the floor. He pulled on his spare pair from his pack, then set about donning his armor. The chainmail was already showing signs of wear, and the vigorous use he had put it to earlier hadn't helped. It smelled like iron mixed with sweat and mud. He looked outside and spied Captain Gishwolf standing nearby, doubtless waiting for him. Looking at the chainmail armor, Krell bundled it up, wrapped his cloak around it to keep it secure, and did his best to stuff it into his pack. Then he put on his boots, buckled on his sword, and stepped into the sunshine. He'd done it. Olgar had said he was ready, and Reknor told him he'd be fine. Failing to cut the pell, and then getting beaten by Captain Gishwolf, had done a lot to shatter his confidence. Reknor was a pressure in his mind, forcing him onward, so he straightened his shoulders, Time to meet these companions who would stand with him at the Dwarven Mines. The pressure of Reknor's grace within became colored with laughter. Captain Gishwolf looked him over as he approached and nodded. He led Krell from the town market square where the test was administered, toward the netminder's friend, the only lodging for travelers here in Watford. Krell looked with interest at the common room when he stepped inside. The ceiling was high, easily over ten feet, and the floor was made of solid wood that looked reasonably clean. The tables and chairs were a motley collection of mismatched pieces, some of which had clearly been broken and repaired. A bar ran along the wall to his left, 
and a happily smiling woman with red hair turning to gray walked up. Ah, Elias, we don't often see you in here at this hour. Care for a pint or some food? Captain Gijwolf shook his head. Town business, Marlena. Perhaps another time for the pint. Yes to the food, though. Marlena laughed, then turned to Krell. And young Master Krell, out without Olgar for the first time. Do you want to partake of my wares? The emphasis on words left Krell thinking she meant far more than food or drink. He stared at her as a blush crept up his neck. She laughed again. Always the same, I see. Well, I wager you'll be meeting the others in the back room. Best be on your way. Captain Gishwolf smiled at her and walked toward the back. Krell stood staring at her, and she leaned forward, gesturing for him to come closer. Best follow the captain, she said in a hushed, sultry voice. Time enough to get drunk together later. She laughed, then spun away to a basin filled with water, where she picked up a clay mug and began washing it. She looked over her shoulder at him, then gestured with her hand in the captain's direction. Krell shook his head and looked around. Captain Gijwolf was standing at the back of the tavern next to an open door, looking at him with an expression somewhere between amused at his reaction and irritated at the delay. Krell hurried over and went inside. A large table surrounded by chairs dominated the room, a private dining room of some sort, space for ten or more, but what caught Krell's attention at once were the people within, his new companions. The Fey touched stood out. He was dashingly handsome and wearing finery similar to what the council had worn earlier. Fey touched were always pretty, a remnant of some elven ancestor in their bloodline. He looked at Krell and frowned, a sneering sort of frown that made Krell instantly dislike him for some reason. Krell frowned back, then turned to look at the others. The orange-tinted orc on the opposite side of the table from the Fey touched slammed his tankard down. He was bare-chested, and his enormous frame was heavily muscled and covered with faint scars. He looked up at Krell. Know how to use that? He asked, gesturing at the sword strapped to Krell's waist. Krell nodded. A burly green orc sat at the head of the table, eating. He nodded in greeting to Captain Gishwolf, and then turned his eyes to him. Where the first orc was bare from the waist up, this one was wearing a breastplate as he ate. A halfling was sitting next to him and looked up when Craven spoke. Hey, all right, a new face. How you doing? I'm Gerard. The halfling hopped down and walked over, extending a hand toward Krell. His grin was infectious, framed by a neatly trimmed beard, and Krell found himself smiling back at him as he took Gerard's hand and shook. There you go. Now your turn, right? That's how this conversation thing works. That's Tristan. He's a fate touched. And across from him is Craven, who's got anger issues bigger than his muscles, if you know what I mean. The big green orc at the end is Orca, like the whale. You got a name or what? Uh, hi, I'm Krell, paladin of Reknor. Reknor, huh? He's a bit insane for my taste, but decent enough when not trying to kill everyone with a hurricane. And you said you're a paladin? 
didn't thank Rek nor called paladins, but you learn something new every day. Wonder how long you'll live. He grinned and returned to the table. Come, sit. You wouldn't be here if our dear sponsor, the illustrious Captain Gishwolf, didn't think you could use that sword. So it looks like we've enough to get going with this job. Finally, time for the captain to fill us in. Or do you think he's going to wait for more hands to show up? Krell sat next to Craven, a little unsure about where to look. Gerard certainly commanded a lot of attention. He was now talking about how Rechnor provided food from the sea and how the other tavern in Watford tried to make alcohol from fish guts. So, another brute then. Krell looked at Tristan. He was eyeing him with a frown on his face. Krell nodded back. I guess you'd say yes, that I'm a brute. If something tries to eat me, I'll feed it my sword first. Krell shrugged, then looked around. He hadn't realized Captain Gishwolf had stepped out of the room until he returned, carrying two bowls and a goblet with practiced ease. He set a bowl in front of Krell, then sat beside him. Eat, Krell. I've never known a man your age who wasn't hungry. He set his own bowl down and fished a pair of wooden spoons out of his belt, handing one to Krell. Fish stew by the smell, but the captain was correct. Krell was starving. Tristan sneered a bit, then said in a tone of voice that instantly irritated Krell, Where's my food, Captain Gishwolf? The captain smiled and gestured toward the door. Tristan subsided into silence, but made no move to get up. Craven leaned over and whispered loudly, ensuring Tristan could hear. Tristan has a big mouth and is annoying, but he's got lots of power apparently. He looks too pretty to take into battle, though. Then Craven grabbed Krell's arm, his hand wrapping almost entirely around, squeezing painfully. You seem kind of, what's the word, small? You going to slow us down, little human? Krell met his gaze, then looked at his hand wrapped around his arm, then met his gaze again. He let some anger creep into his voice. I'm a survivor. If Rechnor wants to take me to glorious service in the afterlife, then I'll die. Not before that. Now, remove your hand so I can eat. Craven bellowed out a laugh. <laughs> Good enough, Krell. But don't worry, I like you. I'll keep you safe. He slapped Krell on the back, knocking Krell into the table. Krell grabbed the bowl of stew and his cup before they tipped over. Orca grunted from the end of the table. No problem with your reflexes then, and I can see from here the calluses that come from holding weapons. No scars, which means you're likely new to this. So I'll explain a few things. First, ignore Tristan. His tongue is harsh, but he has magic that'll serve to keep us all alive. Second, Tristan bristled. I'll have you know that many people tell me I am quite the elegant speaker, Orca, and that my good vocabulary and success with women are no reason for you to- Second, yelled Orca, meeting Tristan's gaze. I am in charge of this little expedition. Third, the room erupted in chaos. Who said you were in charge? Craven yelled. At the same time, Tristan said, Hardly. I think leadership should fall to the one with the greatest value to add to the team, which is clearly me. 
Gerard looked alarmed. Hey, whatever, Orca, am I right? No problem if you want to be in charge, but we split the loot evenly. No leadership stakes or other nonsense, right? Orca yelled back at Tristan. I'm in charge because I'm the strongest and smartest one here. As they yelled back and forth, Captain Gijwolf calmly ate his bowl of stew. When he noticed Krell watching him, he smiled, gestured with his spoon to continue eating, and then went back to his meal. Krell shrugged and ate. Whatever he was expecting, this was definitely not it. Now that you've got the yelling out of the way, let me tell you what you're being hired for. Captain Gijwolf stood at one end of the table, looking at the group of them. Tristan appeared to be pouting. Orca looked angry. Gerard was listening closely, and Craven seemed to be paying no attention at all. Krell wondered why Olgar thought he should join these people. They didn't seem to like each other very much. The dwarves recently got a commission from our Lord Duke Mavram Hutterly, long may he reign, to dig iron and copper ore out of the hills to the east of Watford. They've established a mining camp and used the town merchants for food and other supplies, though the ore they have mined is shipped upriver. As they dug into the hill, they came across some small caves, not uncommon near the coast, I've been told. They set out to explore these caves cautiously, not knowing what they'd find within. Three days ago, a pair of miners went missing. The next day, the search party of eight disappeared, down the same hole. They've boarded up and set guards as well as they can, but they want someone to go in and recover the bodies. They're pretty sure something is down there, and they want it dead and gone, so they can continue doing what dwarves do. We put out a call for warriors, and you lot are the ones that have answered so far. So, tomorrow morning, you're going to spend a half day walking to the Dwarf Mining Camp and meet with their leader, Pedimus Smithforge. He'll show you to the hole. You go in, find the dwarf bodies, kill whatever killed them, and come out for a reward. Any questions? Krell looked around at the others. Tristan raised his hand. How much is the reward for? Two hundred golden sovereigns to be split among the survivors. Hopefully that means you all earn forty and the gratitude of the dwarves, which may count for something as well. That number overwhelmed Krell. A month of skilled labor couldn't earn that much coin, and they were going to make it in a day? That's it? Hardly a worthwhile use of my time and stupendous talents, wouldn't you say, Captain Gijwolf? Tristan looked smug. Perhaps you can sweeten the offer for us, or at least for me, the one clearly of most value here. Captain Gijwolf smiled, then looked at the others. If it's going to be just the four of you, then the split means you'll end up with 50 coins each, not 40. Oh, that's the way it's going to be. Well, I can't leave these poor defenseless brutes to the certain doom that awaits them if I don't come along. So I suppose my gracious nature and incredible generosity will compel me to accept the offer of 200 coins to be split among the survivors. Captain Gishwolf's smile grew wider. Why, thank you, Tristan, for your kind and gracious offer to accompany these new companions of yours and use your formidable might 
to aid them in the battle that doubtless lies ahead. He turned to survey the rest of the table. Any other questions? Yeah. You still paying the bill to sleep here tonight? Craven asked. The town council is paying, but yes, your room for this evening is paid. After you get your reward, you good enough. Craven stood up. In the common room tomorrow at dawn? Yes, said Orca, also standing. But we are leaving at dawn, not breaking fast. Orca and Craven both left. Gerard looked around, scooped up a bundle in the corner, and departed the room. As he stepped back into the common room, Krell heard him shout, Good evening, Watford! You are lucky that Gerard, a maestro of music with the voice of a songbird, is here to charm and entertain you tonight. Tristan also stood up. Well, I for one am excited that you will all get to witness my magical might tomorrow. Pay special attention, Krell, because you're in for a treat. Tristan left and shut the door, muting the sound of Gerard's singing and the clapping from the crowd. Even the way Tristan said Krell's name caused a flash of irritation. Get used to him, Krell. Do you want a room here, Krell? Krell turned from staring at the door to Captain Gishwolf. He was looking at him strangely. Um, thank you, Captain, but no. I'll walk up to the temple and sleep there tonight. I'm sure Olgar will want to talk to me before tomorrow. He looked around. Do we leave the plates and things here, or take them somewhere, or clean them ourselves? The captain smiled and began collecting the plates, bowls, and spoons left behind. It speaks well of you that you'd ask that. Most people never realize how a simple common courtesy can earn you gratitude from people. Grab those bowls, and let's make Marlena's life just that much easier. Krell grabbed the spoons as his stomach rumbled. Do you think she has more of this stew? Krell walked up the hill alone. The sun was setting behind him, so the path was well lit. The wind was picking up, and Krell could tell it would rain later. He could smell it on the breeze. Ahead, he saw a small boy leave the temple and run toward him. When he spied Krell, he stopped, then ran off the road and went around him in a wide circle and continued running back to town. The temple to Rechnor stood on a rocky bluff overlooking both the town of Watford and the Sea of Harakina. It was modest, as temples go, or so Olgar said to him. The stern visage of Rechnor, the god of the seas and skies, was carved into the front of the temple. Walking from Watford to the temple meant being in his gaze the entire time. Krell assumed there was some symbolism there that he didn't understand. Olgar was standing at his favorite spot, a rocky outcropping hanging over the sea. It gave an outstanding view of the surrounding area and incidentally let Olgar see anyone walking from town up to the temple. He was staring west toward the setting sun. His large frame seemed almost perched atop his peg leg and the symbol of Rechnor hung about his neck, glittering in the sunlight. His graying hair blew wildly in the breeze. He'd doubtless watched Krell walking up the path. As Krell reached the top, he walked toward the outcropping, coming to stand behind him. Olgar had watched him approach, but now turned his attention to the vista spread out before them. 
Watford lay below the temple, a small town that was dominated by the docks. Almost everyone who lived there made their living from the sea. The netminder's friend was easy to spot, the largest building in Watford, though the large homes of the wealthy were visible surrounding the nearby town square. Beyond, Krell could see the sprawl of the town along the Sandman River. Krell had never lived in a town before and hadn't really seen much of Watford. He wondered why the buildings kept getting smaller the farther they got from the town square. The Sandman River was a sparkling blue color as it entered the town from the north, but became darker and more polluted as it flowed toward the harbor where it made a muddy smear. The harbor was filled with fishing boats at this hour, each of them doubtless dumping fish guts overboard. Krell knew there was a small set of tunnels under the town to carry clean water to several cisterns for the people living in town. The wealthy had direct connections in their homes. Nobody drank from the river in town. Those who did often died. He turned his gaze out to sea. As the minutes passed, Krell thought about Reknor's domain. Never the same, but constant. That was straight out of the book that Olgar made him read. Wild and dangerous, but also the source of life and livelihoods. His thoughts wandered to Reknor himself and why he spoke to him so directly. I speak to you because you are my paladin, Krell. Well, my boy, what did you think of the outside world? Krell winced. He wished Reknor had a voice that sounded less like a roaring thunderstorm. Shaking his head, he looked at Olgar. You didn't ask if I passed the test the council set for me. Olgar turned and smiled. Use that head of yours. If you'd have failed, you would have returned hours ago and be starving besides. No doubt Captain Gizwolf fed you. He was a young lad once long ago just as I was, and we both remember. He walked toward the temple doors, his wooden peg making his gait awkward. Besides, I was there watching, so I knew you passed when Elias drew his sword on you. I didn't see you there, Krell said in surprise. Olgar only made the trek down to town when he needed supplies for the temple and most of the time the faithful brought them up when they came up for services. You weren't supposed to see me, so you didn't. Reknor's salty tears, did you think I'd miss the chance to learn firsthand whether you'd embarrass me or not? Olgar turned and smiled at him again. Besides, it's good for me to get down to the town. See some of the faithful who can't or won't make the trek up the hill. I probably don't do that often enough. That hill is hard to climb with this leg, but Reknor puts challenges in front of all of us. We overcome or we perish. That is his way, our way. Olgar and Krell, champions of Reknor. Olgar swayed unsteadily a bit before recovering his balance. Krell looked at him closely then moved forward and breathed in deeply through his nose. You are drunk. Again. Ease off, lad, or I'll thump you. I'm an old man, and my days of adventure on the seas are behind me. You can lecture me on my habits when you've had the same sort of experiences I have. 
I'd wager you'll be doing so from the bottom of a cup just like me. Olgar let out a belch. Though you're much more stubborn than I was, and a paladin besides. Likely you're going to be dead before long, and that'll be a shame. By Reknor's beard it will, because I like you, my boy. Pleased me greatly when you washed up on the docks here in Watford. Olgar hobbled over to the doorway and threw open the double doors. The sunlight filtered through the large window in the back, which was cut to look like Reknor himself, with his trident and beard prominently displayed. Every column was adorned with his symbol, a trident piercing a wave. For Krell, it was the first real home he could remember. Help me in, lad. My flask is empty, and I think I want to vomit. Krell jerked him back away from the temple and supported his weight as he walked Olgar around to the graveyard. I'm not keen to clean up inside again. Is it urgent or can you make it to plint form? Asked Krell. Spread before them was a graveyard, filled with hundreds of markers. Nay, lad, not so urgent that I can't hold it in. Let's go pay the jackass a visit. Krell held Olgar's bulk up as best he could, staggering through the cemetery to a large stone monument. Olgar leaned against it, then noisily threw up. You ever going to tell me what Dalen Plintform's father did to make you so angry at him? Even after all this time? Olgar looked at Krell with bleary eyes and shook his head. No, lad, I am not. Help me up. I need a drink. Krell sighed and heaved Olgar's weight back onto his shoulder, and together they wobbled back to the temple. Once inside, Krell helped Olgar to sit on one of the many benches the faithful used when he called a service. Olgar leaned down and rubbed at his knee and leg. Did I ever tell you how the sea devils took my leg? Krell smiled. Yes, Olgar, many times, and always whenever you're drunk. It's a good story, though, so I don't mind. Olgar gave him a threatening look. Never mind, then, you condescending little shit. Tell me about the others and fetch my flask from the pulpit up there. Krell walked up, admiring the simplicity of the temple. Simple benches hand-carved from driftwood that washed ashore, and a single pulpit. No books, no curtains, no carpet. Bare stone throughout. Plain, simple, harsh. Pure. The pulpit was a simple wooden stand, mostly used by Olgar as a makeshift cane, while he talked to the people who trudged up for prayers. A simple drawer held three flasks inside. Krell shrugged and grabbed all three. Ah, smart thinking, lad. Now you won't have to go back up for more later. Stop being stubborn and tell me about the other idiots who answered the call put out by our illustrious town council. Well, there's two orcs, Craven and Orca. They're big and covered in muscles. I think Orca doesn't like me already for some reason. Kept shouting he was in charge. Craven thinks I'm weak. Krell paused for a moment. No, that isn't it. It's that he thinks I'm scrawny, like I wouldn't be able to lift a sword. Krell thought about them. As orcs, they were substantially larger than most humans, 
with arms as big around as his legs. Gerard seems really friendly and fun, but it makes me think there must be something wrong with him, because he wants to dive into a dark hole that swallowed up some dwarfs. He seems like he's a singer at heart. That part doesn't make sense to me. Olgar snorted. Never underestimate what fools will do for coin. There's also this fey touched named Tristan, who has magic power. I know him, Olgar shouted. Karabak's lackey. He does errands for him from time to time. Not an apprentice as such, but whenever Karabak is too lazy to do it himself, he sends out Tristan. Pretty, but arrogant. Olgar let out a belch. But not unwarranted, from what I hear. Try your best not to make him angry. May Rick nor aid you there, my boy. You're going to need all the help you can get on that front. Olgar started laughing. Krell wondered about that. There was something about Tristan that made him want to grind his teeth, and he didn't understand why. Karabak, he's the wizard who lives in town, right? asked Krell. Yeah, and he's self-important and pompous. Don't anger him, or he'll threaten to obliterate you without ever actually doing anything about it. Who else? Krell shook his head. That's all of them. We are leaving tomorrow at dawn from the netminder's friend. To visit the dwarves, said Olgar. Krell nodded. Dwarves are a stubborn folk, but react well to polite words. You'll find out soon enough if you like them or not. Lots of people don't. If you ever want something made of stone or metal, get a dwarf to do it. You'll never see better work than dwarf work. Olgar took a long drink from his flask, then pulled Krell close. Now you listen to me, Krell. People who yell and boast about their strength or magic or whatever, those people are often afraid. Afraid and possibly unsure. Reknor, for whatever reason, has picked you to be one of his paladins, a holy warrior going out to work his will on the world. Olgar pulled Krell even closer, so that he was practically talking directly into his ear. Reknor is wild and tempestuous, like the sea. One minute it's calm and gives you fish to feed your family. The next it washes them all out to sea and drowns them. Lots of others see him as insane and will tell you that. Learn to control that temper of yours or you're going to have nothing but enemies. Reknor himself speaks to you though I doubt he has anything useful to say. Don't count on him for aid. Even if he listens and sends help, never count on it. Just this. And with that, Olgar slapped Krell on his sword arm. You're seen as smaller and weaker than others, but I know you, my boy. I know the will that sits inside that thick skull of yours, the courage that beats in your heart. Reknor will tell you to do things. Mostly, if what I've learned is true, you're going to be left alone. Make good choices, because paladins often die young. And stupidly. 
Olgar leaned forward, putting more weight on Krell. A minute passed in silence before Olgar let out a small snore. He had fallen asleep. With a heavy sigh, Krell began the effort of getting him into his bed.